Let's pray. Lord, thank you again. Thank you for uh, allowing us to come into your house tonight. Thank you for allowing us to spend time in the classes and study. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in this place tonight. Uh, as we continue this journey through the book of Romans, seeing how, uh, how now looking at how the gospel plays out in very practical ways uh, in our Christian living, I ask that you would uh, seal my lips, I speak nothing of myself, but that I would speak the truth of your word. Lord, now as we dig into the scripture tonight, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in ways that would cause us to think wisely about government, authorities, politics. Lord, uh, help me uh, to speak clearly from your word and help us uh, to find some really practical ways that, that the gospel uh, grounds us. Uh, in truth and hope and uh, and encourages us to move forward uh, in in goodness in charity and in the good for our brothers and sisters uh, it's in christ's name for his glory amen all right like i said i've had a couple of people that mentioned that uh they're going to be looking for me afterwards if we didn't make this click <laughs> apparently the business meeting's going to be really long no i'm teasing i don't know <laughs> Y'all know everything's good between me and Kip. <laughs> if that wasn't clear this morning, no. uh, that was good. That was good. I had to take that opportunity. That opportunity. Um, we're going to be in Romans chapter thirteen. We're going to look at verse one tonight. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about politics. I know a lot of times we kind of you know when politics come up in church, we're like, man, I like my politics to be kept separate from my religion, right? Well, as as Christians, as believers, uh, that can't be the case. Like, who we are is who we are in all aspects of life. So, um, as Paul's continuing this walk and how the gospel plays out in practical ways throughout our lives, he's going to speak on governmental authorities, where we fall in in this uh, and and how we're supposed to act and live uh, in the in the governments or under the authorities that we have been uh, placed. So um, we're going to kind of dig in that into that a little bit tonight. Um, Romans chapter thirteen, verse one. I'm going to read one through seven, and then we're going to go back and we're going to look at some some things throughout the way. But I want us to kind of get a big picture view of what we're going to be talking about tonight. And then step through it. So, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authorities resists what, has, what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear, or would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoers. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing, paid to all 
what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, uh, owed respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. So we're going to see tonight, like I mentioned, how the gospel plays out in our relationship to the government that we're a part of. Before we start digging down into this, I want to point out a couple of things up front, just areas that we need to be careful in as we're digging through this passage or text. And I want to mention them up front so that as we get digging through the scripture that I don't miss them along the way and then you have questions for them uh, later that, that maybe I didn't address. Not all governments that you know of that exist today are good. Can you list for me some some nations that the nations as a whole and the government structure there, those in power are evil? Does anybody know of one that exists today that the, that the government itself is is an evil, evil, evil entity? North Korea would be the first one that comes to mind. So as we're digging through this text, I want us, I want us to understand that North Korea, that North Korea is included in the ideas that we're going to dig out here. But I, I want us to say that, that, and we have to be very careful because God could in any moment take the life from any that He chooses. So any power that exists exists either because God has given that power or because He has allowed that power, right? But God is free to strip when He desires to and to raise up when He de- desires to. So if we look out, if we look through the Old Testament, when we see these kind of patterns in place, there's no one in power that God cannot strip the power from and there's no one in any place that he cannot raise up to power, right? So in the gospel and how the gospel plays out just in our understanding, in our thinking of power in general, authority in general throughout the world. One thing that I want us to understand is a, is a fundamental truth that we dug in through the first 8, 9, 10, 11 chapters of this book is who is in absolute control? Who's in absolute control? Of all circumstances, is there anyone that God is not in control of? Is there anything that's flying so far out of control that God cannot rein it in? Right? Is there anything that His sovereign hand does not control? Right? So fundamentally, this should change the way that we think about situations that we're in personally. Right? Is there any situation that you are in as an individual that is truly out of control when we're considering God's control over things? Now, it may be out of control as far as you're concerned and the things that you're trying to do and to manage. But one thing as believers that we should understand and that we see most clearly in the cross is that God works all things together. Right? Like whose 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 fault, if you will, is the cross? So when we look in the book of Acts and we see the preachers preaching the first kind of spirit filled post Pentecost message, what message does he give? He names names, he drops Pilate's name out there, and then at the same time, who does he give credit to for what happened in the cross? God's preordained plan, right? So we see Pilate, 
who clearly was involved, but in all of this, the most evil day to ever occur was also the most blessed day to ever occur. And whose fault is it? God's. Right? And and you say yours, but God could have left you in your sin. He made the cross happen. Ultimately, He made the cross happen because He was not obliged to redeem you. Right? And the example that I point to here again is the angels. Right? Who of them will stand before Him one day having sinned and will say that it that you owed me something, right? So when we think of the working out, let us keep our eyes fixed and focus on the cross. And this is why I think that that the cross kind of is our central focus, helps us to make sense out of gospel living. How do we live as believers? How do we walk forward when when it seems like, because here's the truth, is that there are many situations, and I would would grant you that if you were a believer in North Korea, that, that the situation is dire, and it may look absolutely, Absolutely out of control to you. But if I were preaching to to a man or woman who was in North Korea, who or and they were hid out because if you if you worship Christ openly in North Korea, you go to a a secret camp, right, where you will do hard labor for the rest of your days if you are lucky enough to get placed in a secret camp and not just killed on the spot, right? Do you know what I would preach to them? The same truth that I would preach to you, right? That God works all things together. Like these truths are truths that hold no matter the situation that we're in. So as we consider these extremities, like North Korea, these extreme kind of situations, I want us to understand that even in this, God is in control of these things. Right? But what I want to point us to in this text is that when he talks about, when, when he uses language like this, for every person is subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. What does that mean? What does it mean that there is no authority except from God? That God is ultimately in control, right? And this is this should anchor us as we consider our own culture, the own authorities that are kind of set up where we live now. And I want us to consider the culture for which Paul himself was writing at this time. It was not a republic, right? There was no democracy going on in Rome It was Nero running things. And he's writing this truth to them, right? So I want us to consider that. We are a blessed people. Though we look and oftentimes we could nitpick the different things we like or don't like about the particular branch of government or the particular uh, group that's in power now, the way that we can nitpick. I want us to understand that we are a blessed people. And where we live, right? So I want us to kind of, I want us to get there, but I want us to reflect on the truth that we get, that this truth would hold even if you were in a dictatorship, right? And I want us to ultimately think forward to the future and understand that, that when we're in heaven, we're living under the most blessed dictatorship that you could imagine, right? Who's running things there, right? So I want us to get that authority comes from who? From God Himself. Yes, yes. There, there. And and here's here's one thing. Here's one thing that I want us to 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 kind of understand. And I would love if you would just go back and and as I was kind of getting my thoughts together, getting my 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 
where do we go and where do we not go? Like we could touch on so many Old Testament accounts where we see dictators and we see like like Daniel and you know you you get these kind of situations that rise up. Go and look at the Old Testament because we see this truth having even played out then, right? We see this truth even played out then. So I want us to, and that's an, that's an excellent, like, you know, go look at the Old Testament. Look and see throughout Scripture that there are many examples that were given of actual people's lives, given various situations, various circumstances, and how they lived faithfully for God in the midst of all of them. Um, for there is no authority except from God, for those that exist have been instituted by God. And here's where I want to be careful when I'm looking towards like the North Korea situation, right? A situation where, where I, I'm not going to say to you at all that uh, God has desires for evil men to be in power. And I don't want you to look at this particular passage of Scripture and see for, and, and, and think in your mind, did God institute North Korea? Like, is that is that something pleasing to God? Is that something that He finds pleasure in? Because this is the truth. This is not at all what this Scripture is saying. What this Scripture is telling us is that this, the idea and structure of government itself, this idea that God would, in common grace, give governing authority governing structures to mankind is in general a good thing right that in general the idea of having a governing body for us is good because and paul's going to give us a couple of examples through this it it, essentially it keeps evil in check right there are these extremities and all authority, all power can be abused. And I would say that the North Korean situation is a situation where authority has been abused. And how we live out in those situations, right, is that we have an authority that is the giver of authority, right? So we're, we're going to kind of get this, what happens when, and, and this is why this is why I wanted us to read through this whole thing. And, and I made mention a couple of times, or I kind of tried to highlight in the way that I read particular words in this. We see these ideas of good conduct. Do what is good for your good, right? We get these ideas of good. And we're going to dig into these um, as we kind of get there. For there is no authority except from God. So we're to be, in, in general, we're going we're gonna to be submissive. To authorities freely giving ourselves in submission to authorities because we ultimately trust in and know that we are uh, citizens of a, a higher calling, a higher country, greater country that is to come walking as uh, du- almost as dual citizens in the country or place that God has sovereignly out of his will placed us. For there is no authority and we know this except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. So we know that. Government and authority is an institution given to God for ultimately our good. Knowing that, they can go awry. Uh, knowing that, they can go uh, off kilter. Uh, but this does not negate the truth that, by and large and in general, government um, and the idea of an established government at all levels, whether it be uh, federal, local, you know, that kind of thing, or, or for our good, ultimately. Therefore, whoever resists authorities and resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will, in, or excuse me, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. So if we think that we are now Christians and we should live as anarchists, what does God's Word say to us to this end, right? We're to live as good citizens, Right? 
And we can live as good citizens no matter where you put us in time, in history. If you put us in Rome with Nero, we can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, live as good citizens there. Good stewards of the lives that He's given us there. Or whether we live in the United States in 2016 in a republic where we can elect officials, right? We can live now as good citizens, good stewards. God has wisely placed us here. And if we resist, if we res- and, and this is where we're gonna, we're gonna, what does it mean by resistance? Right? Like, it, where are the, where are the, the bounds, but when can I resist? Or is there ever a time that we should resist? And the question that I have for you, is there ever a time that we should resist? Like, what is this trying to get across to us here? Just answer me this. Is there ever a time that you should resist your government? And can you, can you yourselves look throughout the Old Testament and find time and time again where people who were called by God, placed in particular situations, were then called to stand against God? And what were they to do then? They stand firm even if it requires their lives. Right? So this idea of resisting is if and in those situations for which the government is Acting and working, not against the will and purposes of God, but according to, right? And this is why we see this particular kind of language that we see following here, uh, verse, uh, so the, the latter part of that, those who resist will incur judgment. So, so as believers, this judgment could come from the government itself upon us if you resist what has been established. Um, it could come from God Himself. Don't be foolish with the life that you've been given. And now he goes in and, and kind of talks about this idea uh, a, a bit further in verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to who? To good conduct. What is good conduct? And these are some things that we should be rooted in the gospel and understanding. Right? I'm going to read a couple of different uh, through a couple of verses here. But to bad. So, for rulers are not a chair to good conduct, but to bad. So this idea of good and bad, where do we draw this from? Do we draw this from our culture? Do we draw our concepts of good and evil from the culture? No. Where do we draw it from? From God's Word. How do we know what is good? We know the God who is good. Right? From which all good is measured. Right? So when we consider and look at what's going on, we don't look at it through the eyes and lens of the culture to determine whether or not it was good. We look through Scripture itself. You will not be able to make determinations. And I will grant you that there are many that will be gray area here. But I can tell you, you will act wrong in each and every one if you are not grounded firmly in God's Word. You will, be able, you will not be able to do what Paul has called us to do earlier in chapter 12, which is to test and discern what's the will of God. If you are not in God's Word, it is critical. Because many of these, I will tell you, are going to be gray areas. That you will not be able to discern if you are not in God's Word. This is why I'm not here tonight. We're going to be talking about politics, but we're not going to be talking about Democrat or Republican, right? What we're going to be talking about is what is good? Where do we discern what is good? From God Himself is the only place. Where do we determine what is bad? 
from God Himself, right? What God has told us is evil is in fact evil. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? So this idea of fearing authority here is tied in with what next? Do what is good, right? So I want you to get this idea here that Paul is pointing to us living submitted to government, right? Submitted to the authorities that he has put in place. Authority in general can only come from God so much as it is not asking you to deny or go against what God, the ultimate authority, has given you. And when it does, you stand with God every time. Right? So this, this, and we see this as he's, as he's talking about using these words of good and evil. Then do what is good and you will not, or, and you will receive his approval for he is God's servant for your good. So I want us to see something in this too, this idea of what the, these government authorities, these governing authorities are here for. What are they ultimately? What has God blessed? And I would, here's the thing that I want to tell you, that you are blessed to live where you are. Right? You are blessed to live in a place where there is law and order. Go to a place where there is no law and order, and you will see the blessing of authority given. Right? Go to a place where there is lawlessness, and see how they flee here. How they would long to have what we so often complain about. What we so often go apathetic towards. And I want to, I want to tell you that, uh, God is, has given government for your good. Verse, uh, verse four here. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. Again, I want to, I want to mention because I want us to see that in this text, there's a clear leaning towards submission to good leadership, right? Submission to good authority, right? Do y'all, do y'all see that in the text? The usage of the language that he's putting out for us here. This idea that, that if you are in North Korea and they tell you not to worship God, the one true God, what do you do? You worship the one true God. And if we can get missionaries in there that are willing to die for what they believe, they're going to break the law every day. Because they live in submission to a higher law. So when the laws of men are contrary to the laws of God, we stand with the laws of God. Right? But so long as the laws are not in contradiction to the laws of God, you are submissive to them. Right? And I don't care if it's 35% tax or 40% tax or... Right? So long as the governing body as a whole, and I'm not saying that it's going to be without issues, right? Or that there's not going to be certain things that you look at and you'll be like, we got to do something there, right? I'm saying as a whole in general, the fact that your government approves of aborting babies does not mean that you withdraw completely from the political realm. 
Do you understand me? Like, like I, I, when, and we're, we tend to be afraid to talk about politics, right? We tend to be very afraid because it's, it's a hot subject. Well, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's in God's Word. Clearly, we're going to cover it through the book of Romans. So you should be good citizens of the country that God has wisely placed you. If they're not breaking the laws of God, then you're in submission. In the areas that they are, you're in submission to God. Wise in your decisions for the ways that you live. Knowing that it could cost you your life. Right? Knowing that it could cost you your life. Then do what is good and you will receive His approval. For He is God's servant. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For He does not bear the sword in vain. Who bears the sword today? Right, and here's we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna look at, at at so in God has out of His wisdom given us government as a means to suppress the evil that is in each and every one of us to keep it in check to punish as the government sees fit the sword. To enact justice is in the hands of the government, not you. This is why if someone comes into your house and kills your family, you do not go and kill them yourself. Right? Who does this? Who brings justice? God ultimately brings justice. Even when our justice system fails, God brings justice ultimately. But God, in His wisdom, has given the authority to wield the sword to the government. Right? So we go through due process. Right? We go through due process. For He, for He is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out the wrath on the wrong doer. And I want us to see this, that this governing kind of system that he's, that he's pointing towards, this kind of ideal is one that, that supports good conduct, supports the well-being and welfare of the people under the government. These are kind of two general ideas that I pull out of this text. One is that a government running as it should, if you are doing good, And when I say good, I mean good as in what lines up with the law and will of God. Then this government supports you in this effort. If you are doing evil, as in those things that do not line up with the law and will of God, then you are punished for that evil. And these government bodies in general are for the well-being of the population as a whole. Two general Ideas. If you're looking at what a what a, a correctly operating political system would be, is that good is lifted up, evil is suppressed, the welfare of the populace as a whole is cared for, right? If you find instead, and this is where we're going to get into some potentially dangerous area here, if you find instead one particular people, one particular subset of people. Who are suppressed while others are lifted up? Does this sound like one where the welfare of the people as a whole are being cared for? Yes? No? 
No, absolutely not. Right? Living in the South, we should understand this. And, and we should see that what has taken place in equal rights, no matter what skin color you have, is the best way that we can see God sovereign, even when government seems a little broken. Right? Because here's what I'm here to tell you, is that unfortunately, if you rewind a couple of generations... And I've heard this from people that I've had conversation with that go to church. That you would have heard the Bible used in support of segregation. Shame on the church there. Shame on the church there. So government, working for the well-being of all is a good working government. Therefore, verse 5, Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. Should you pay taxes? Who enjoys paying taxes? Right, let's be real. Like when I say thirty five percent, there may be some of y'all in here like legitimately, like thirty five percent. How many people do I talk to at work that I've heard the conversation the first four months that I work, I work for the government. Y'all enjoy that? Does anybody does anybody enjoy paying taxes? How many of you want lawlessness to break out? Really? Really? Just just because things aren't perfect for us in our comfort does not mean they're completely wrong either. Right? I want us to have a balanced view of government. Not one that throws it out the window, but as good citizens knowing that we have a, a home awaiting us as we travel and live here, we live out our lives as good citizens of the country that God has placed us in so that others might see, even in the way that we do politics, that there is a king coming for us. So we don't complain like everybody else complains. But we don't. And, and here's the thing, like, like, like I could go very specific because clearly Paul is writing to people who would undergo the most severe persecutions under Nero and many of the rulers that would follow after him that were just absolute dictatorships and their way or the highway. And, and the truth is, is that when I look and I, and I consider who Paul was writing to here and knowing the history of the church that came from that, and I think about how we complain about the government and authorities that have been placed by God's wisdom over us while we don't vote not once, right? While, while the best that we know about the candidates, like we're in an election year, the best that we know about the candidates is what, like, funny remark they made or didn't make. What we know about the stand of the people that we're going to vote for is next to nothing. 
We don't consider it. We're apathetic to it. We're removed from it. God forbid one of you ran for office somewhere. Right? God forbid we become active in the places that He's put us. That we strive no matter where we are, and it may be in the political realm. Some of you may be called to be mayor or something similar or school superintendent, right? But are we apathetic? Do we do we care enough for change? I mean, we're quick to point out where things are going wrong. Do we care to work at all to make things go right? God has given us a solid foundation in Him so that we can work for change in the world where He's placed us. And and we just so happen to be in a place where that's very feasible. Very feasible. Where He's writing to them and how many of them is going to Nero or whoever's in charge and be like, we're going to have to change some things around here. What's happening? Off with your head, my friend. How about we just expel your entire group out of the country? You got that kind of power then. Right? And now we live in a place where we're free. Where you can make a difference, where your vote does matter, and you don't even care. Enough to go vote. Enough to know who you're voting for, what they stand for, what they don't. For because of this you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. What very thing? What what are they servants of God for? The government is servants of God for the well-being of the population, the suppression of evil, and the allowing of good to rise up. Right? And so we pay taxes. And we may not enjoy it, We may look at that and say, I could do so much better with that money if I had it to give. But we've been called to pay taxes. So what would God's word tell us towards that? Pay your taxes. Be honest in your taxes. Don't cheat for your conscience sake. Be honest in this. Right? That he brings your conscience into it. Right? Because your submission to authority could be done in such a way that in your conscience it doesn't sit right. And your cheating on your tax returns could be done in a way that it's eating you up right now. Because here's the truth. is the way that we live before men, in all areas of life, matters. And this is what's being told to them here. As they're being told to live as subjects of this kingdom, looking ahead to the kingdom to come, 
paying your taxes? Do you think it was easier on them then to pay taxes than it is for us now? No, I don't. I, I guarantee you, if you place me in a congregation of people throughout history, and I ask the same question, who enjoys paying taxes? I'm not going to get a single one that raises their hand unless they're getting paid by paying taxes, right? <laughs> that's probably the only one, right? It's never been something that's pleasurable. You do it not because you enjoy it, but because you are faithful to God and honest is what he's making you, Right? God is making you something different. He's not making you into a cheat. He's not making you into a liar. He's not making you into one that lives secret lives behind closed doors. He's making you into one that if He does call you into politics, there's no skeletons in your closet. Right? That you live honorably before all. That's the kind of life that God is calling us to. So we pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of God according to this uh, attending to this very thing, this very thing being the well-being of the nation, country, what have you. Pay to all, pay all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is old, owed, respect to whom respect is o- owed, honor to whom honor is owed. So when we live under authority, the way that we act towards authority speaks to our character. As believers, the way that we act towards authority speaks to our character. It speaks to who God is making us. So if we live as foolish rebels, if we, if we live complaining about everything under the sun, even when it doesn't matter, then what are they going to listen? What are they going to hear when we say, you shouldn't be doing this. This is foolish. We're heading for destruction. They're going to be like, cry wolf again. Cry wolf again over another thing that doesn't matter. So when we, when we actually stand, that it looks like a stand. And it doesn't look like a soapbox. Because we're so, so quick to get on our soapboxes. When so oftentimes push comes to shove, we will not stand for anything. And that's not what we've been called to as believers. Right? We've got a hope that anchors us in something greater so that we can stand, so that we can submit, so that we can live honorably before all for whose glory. For God's glory. So everything. The gospel, I want us to get this. The gospel touches all aspects of practical Christian living. And that includes politics. Right? That includes politics. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your many wonderful blessings. Uh, I pray that as we continue through the book of Romans, we continue looking at uh, now how the gospel that we have spent so much time digging into plays out in each area of our life in practical ways. I pray that your Holy Spirit would prune our thoughts, prune our minds, would convict us in areas that we have fallen short, in areas that we have uh, maybe grown weary or apathetic, Lord, that you would strengthen us. Lord, when it comes to areas of politics, I pray that we would follow through your word and your word alone, not the opinion of men, what it is to live good lives. 
Lord, what the ultimate welfare of our brothers and sisters in this place and in our communities, what that looks like. Let us look at your word to find the truth of what that is. Let us not look to popular opinion. Let us not look to the cultures around us. But let us be people who change the cultures around us by looking into your word. Let us be people founded in your word that live differently in the world. Lord, let us be active in each of these areas. I pray, Lord, that among our church uh, that you would raise up a people. So so blessed are we, Lord. So blessed are we to live in a country such as this, though I could probably myself name off 15 different things that I think, man, we shouldn't be doing that or we shouldn't be doing this. But I think what, what a blessing it is that I can stand here tonight and we're not so far gone. Lord, we're not so foregone that we have to hide in caves or in the basements of our houses, uh, Lord. And I pray that we would, uh, as a, a church body here, as a, as a church in this nation, that we would be awakened to this truth, that we would be given a new spirit of encouragement because, Lord, there's a king coming. You are coming for your people. And the way that we live now matters for the day that we see you face to face. The way that we live, the way that we do each and every day, the way that we vote, the way that we think, the way that we talk about politics, Lord, and, and things that we think, Lord, in the future this is not even going to matter. But today it matters. Your word speaks to this truth. Lord, let us live in such a way that our nation is blessed because we lived here and now, and we live as a testament to every generation, the truth of your word is firm, though this world may be shifted by the tides of sin. We stand firm 